Welcome everyone to Self Made with D Brown CEO. I'm your host, D Brown. Today I have a very special guest with me, but before we get to my guest, I want to tell you a little bit about the show and about myself. I'm D Brown, president and CEO of the P3 Group. We are the nation's largest African-American-owned public-private partnership real estate developer. Self-Made the Show will feature inspirational stories about individuals that started from ordinary circumstances that went on to achieve great success in their respective careers. For me, when I talk about Self-Made, I'm talking about starting from nothing. I'm talking about picking yourself up by your bootstraps and making something out of your life when all the odds are against you recognizing that you do not have to come from special circumstances or from an advantage situation to be self-made and to be successful. You can come from any background, any walk of life. All you need is to be committed, have the, de the dedication, the ingenuity and commitment to see your dreams through. So welcome to Self-Made with D. Brown CEO. And my first guest is Quentin Smith. Quentin, I'm so glad to have you on the show right. today. Thanks, D. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. No, no absolutely. Thank you for taking time out of, out of your busy uh, schedule. Now, Quentin, I know you grew up in rural uh, Alabama, mm -hmm. single mother household. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about your childhood. What, what particular challenges did you face growing up in a rural, uh, impoverished community? Yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting, you know, trying to take some time, you know, sit back, reflect on, you know, childhood and how you got to where you are and the different things that, that trying to transpire over the years to do that. And uh, so growing up in Alabama, you know, it's, uh, you know, in the, the early 80s at the time, um, you know, living in, a, you know, a, an apartment community, um, small town. So everyone knows everyone. You already got that going. But then, of course, there's always stigma, you know, of not being in a, a household where you got a mother and a father married and all of that. So, you know, had those challenges there from just that little small regard, but definitely nothing big to overcome. And so we definitely grew up, you know, poor. You know, my mom, she uh, she worked hard, um, you know, and, and she provided for me and my sister every day. And, you know, I got to see a lot of her hard work and effort and everything she did, the sacrifices that she made just to make everything successful for us. And of course, with that, you know, there were some things that, you know, we might not have had growing up. Um, and so, you know, but the thing is, I had a lot of uh, family members, relatives, you know, a lot of people around that really helped our family be a true unit to grow into what it is today. Um, so, you know, there were definitely challenges, you know, I couldn't go to some activities, couldn't go to some events, you know, and, but the one thing I had was I had love, I had care with everybody around me, um, and I had opportunities if I just knew how to make the best of it by watching everybody around me growing and, and doing everything they could to be successful. So, you know, even though we had those hardships um, from not having the, the financial background to do certain things, uh, we had the, the opportunities. Um, if we just knew how to take advantage of them that I was fortunate to, to do as well. So. No, absolutely. So, Quentin, um, you've been in architecture and construction your entire career, mm -hmm. and you made a decision very early in yeah. life that you were going to be an architect. And now I, w I want to add that architecture does not have a high concentration of minority mm -hmm. uh, participation. Right. So talk to me about this early decision and how you were able to see that through. Yeah. You know, uh, so I, I, like I said, grew up in, you know, Hermitage Hills apartments. And the one thing I knew, I always wanted to live in a house, you know. So that was like the one thing that I just always wanted to do. I wanted to live in a house. I didn't want to be in an apartment complex. I knew we didn't have the money at the time to, you know, afford to buy a house and all of that. So in second grade, I made the decision I'm going to be an architect. In the second grade. I, in second grade. And I knew nothing about the industry. I knew no one in the industry, but I knew that if I can be an architect, I could design a house and I'll live in a house one day. And that was really where my passion started, you know, just from that simple idea and concept um, of just being able to design my own home one day. 
And so, you know, I, I went through not knowing, uh, like I said, anyone in the industry, uh, definitely no one in the industry that looked like me, uh, not knowing where to start, but I knew there was just certain skills that I had to have from just reading and researching, and that was have the ability to draw and, and no math. That's all everyone ever told me. And so I would literally come home every day um, after school, and I would just draw homes. You know, I would get the, the floor plan magazines, sketch houses out, and you know, at the time, I guess I thought I was gonna be making like, you know, a billion dollars a year, because if I go back and look at the houses I was drawing in second grade, I mean, even today, you know, no one can afford those types of homes, probably. Uh, but, you know, I made that decision very early on, and it was just something about that intuition of making sure that I was following the path of, you know, like I said, whether it's honing in my math skills, honing in my drawing skills, and then just being able to take advantage of opportunities when they finally came, and you know, here I am now. Well, you've done a great job, but you uh, you attended Mississippi State University, mm -hmm. and uh, you pursued your 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 dream of becoming an architect. Tell me what that experience was like. Why did you choose Mississippi State, and what was your experience like while you were there on campus? You know, that's actually uh, kind of interesting. So, growing up in Alabama at an early age, you got to pick Alabama or Auburn. You know, that's really all it is. And um, so the, the thing that's so interesting about that, um, Auburn University had an architecture program. Um, I was kind of torn between you know, both universities, uh, but I was kind of more of an Alabama Roll Tide fan than I was an Auburn Tigers fan. And so it's, it's really an interesting thing. So Mississippi State University was kind of, it was closer to home, it was closer to Florence. And then it also put me in a position where I didn't have to choose to go to Auburn when I was more of a, an Alabama fan. So, um, you know, I made that decision really based on proximity. You know, it was a two and a half hour drive from Florence. Um, Auburn University was a little further away. But then also at the time, Mississippi State University had a, um, a very prestigious program where they had a rate of, it was around 99% of their graduates got a job right after graduation. And so I wanted to make sure I was at an institution where I was gonna be able to land a job, you know, once I got that uh, degree at the end of the day anyway. Right. Now you grew up in a single mother household, mm -hmm. but you did have a relationship with your father. Mm -hmm. uh, what role did your mother and father play uh, in who you are today? Yeah, you know, um, both of them are very ambitious individuals. And I'll say that's probably the, uh, the biggest thing is seeing, um, you know, my mom, you know, it's, it's interesting. She actually did not get her driver's license until she was 30. And so, but she worked every day. You know, she found a way to get to work, found a way to do everything she needed to do. Um, and so, you know, being able to watch, regardless of what her circumstances were, she made sure she provided. And then my father, on the other hand, you know, it was a lot there, um, you know, from um, being around at an early age and seeing him and some of his successes in certain things. You know, he was a businessman by all, all stretches of the imagination. Uh, he was definitely a businessman. And so watching him, you know, was one of the things that really put me in a position of one day I can own my own business and, and not thinking of it. So he owned pizza restaurants, clothing stores, lots of different things that he always did around town. And, um, you know, he taught me some valuable things too. Uh, one, to take chances and not be afraid to take chances. And I uh, remember one thing that he told me is that the worst thing anybody can say to you is no. And if you're gonna be in business, you're gonna hear that a lot, so get used to it and just keep on moving. And so those are a couple of things that resonated with me, but definitely their ambition and definitely, you know, regardless of the adversities were in front of them, they made sure that they, one, they took care of home, and then two, they were always consistently trying to achieve to, to be better. So. So, Q, you are, um, you spent a lot of time here in Peoria. You lived here for about seven years, right? Uh, you worked on the uh, implementation 
uh, the OSF healthcare system's uh, $2 billion mm -hmm. capital improvement uh, plan. Talk about the impact that that program has had on OSF health systems as well as your uh, the community here in Peoria. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, OSF Healthcare is one of the, uh, or actually the, I guess, largest employer in Peoria. And so, you know, with that, you know, well, over 20,000 employees, lots of projects constantly happening, you know, everything from small projects to large projects, and, um, and there's always more and more coming. And so, you know, one thing that I was able to do quickly was evaluate the system, evaluate the processes, evaluate what they had in place and try and get projects pushed through because that was one of the biggest pitfalls within the organization at that time was just getting projects moving. But because of being able to change some of those systems and processes, uh, got some major things that are actually underway that have been on the books for a long time and actually executed. Uh, one being the, uh, the, the downtown headquarters project, which is a big thing for Peoria uh, to really do something to revitalize the, uh, the downtown district. But then also uh, another major project to get underway that had you know, been on in talks for about 10 years was the, uh, the, the, the cancer center, the Cancer Institute with proton therapy. Um, that's gonna be something that's great for the community. It's gonna bring in individuals from all different areas uh, to the community for cancer treatment and really put OSF in a, a position to really be a big healthcare cancer treatment organization moving forward too. Well, congratulations on that. That's a very big, very big deal and uh, I'm super proud of uh, that accomplishment. Right. Now, you, you're now the president of um, Integrated Project Solutions. Mm -hmm. Uh, and you're based out of Dallas, you still have a, an office here in Peoria. Mm -hmm. uh, talk to me about uh, IPS and what you all are doing. Yeah, so you know, Integrated Project Solutions um, is a company that, that really sits in that spot for an owner that has an idea of getting a project done. And so we're an owner's representative, program manager, um, you know, is, is sometimes referred to as, to where, you know, now after being in every seat, so I've, you know, I've been at an architecture firm and I've designed projects. I've been in a construction firm and I've built projects. And now it's really in a position to have a company to help clients that have that idea that I want to, you know, build a, a $20 million facility, $100 million facility, billion dollar facility, where do you start? And so now with this organization, it's really geared around that, sitting there and helping the clients achieve that goal and, you know, take that idea they have for, you know, whatever the project may be and figure out a way to get it designed, built and executed so it meets their needs and goals moving, moving down the stream now. Now, we, we, we've talked about your long history of success in uh, construction and architecture. Mm -hmm. But you also have another passion. Yeah. So you own a publishing company, right? Yep, yep. So talk to me about your publishing <laughs> yeah. company. What's the name of it and, and, and what, what do you guys got on the, on the horizon? Yeah, so uh, Wonder and Eyes Comics, uh, that's the name of it. It's uh, you know, a company I started actually, um, I guess about five years ago now. And um, you know, the, the thing that I like about it is I've always had stories in my mind, creative you know, ideas and you know, talking to people and you know, they, they see movies, they see TV, you know, and everybody thinks like, man, like I can do that. And so um, I actually started this company um, because I always had a passion for writing, I always had a passion for expressing myself in different ways. And so uh, you know, got a few comic books that are actually gonna be coming out this year. Uh, one of the first one is gonna be called Dragon Girl. Um, it's actually about a young woman that's, you know, she's, uh, uh, has this connection to, to what everybody thought was extinct with these dragons. And uh, she's gonna go through a lot of trials and tribulations, but it's gonna help her, you know, define who she is and she's gonna help a lot of people along the way. But one of the real reasons for starting the company, starting that business was to uh, 
get other individuals an opportunity to express themselves. You know, you see a lot going on today. You know, you, you hear a lot about mental health. You hear a lot about different things. And so that was really one of the big things to give people an outlet. Right. and be able to take their stories and turn them into something creative, you know, that can hopefully inspire others down the road. Okay, that's great. That's, yeah. you, you know, you, you don't put the architecture, the construction, <laughs> and the comic books together. Exactly. But, uh, you know, hey, that's a, it's a great thing you're doing. Yeah. Uh, now, from a community uh, service perspective, you, you sit on the board of OSF Healthcare Children's Hospital, mm -hmm. also the Greater Peoria Economic uh, Development Council. Mm -hmm. So talk to me about uh, your work uh, in those areas where you're trying to be involved with the community and help make the community better? Yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, one thing that I'll say, um, you know, Peoria is a great town. Peoria is a great city. And, you know, for the, uh, the time that I've been here, you know, really look for different ways to bring a, a different view and perspective. And so that's one of the things that I've you know, been fortunate of. You know, I've, you know, born and raised in Alabama, lived in Mississippi, Arizona, Texas, Illinois, traveled, you know, all over the country. And so I bring a different perspective just because of what I've seen. And so that's one thing that I really like the ability to do sitting in those types of positions is just to bring um, a different perspective to how an organization can move forward. You know, how to attract more businesses, how to, uh, you know, grow the community and just really being able to, to take, you know, what's happened everywhere else and, and, and see the good. You know, that's one thing about it. I've, I've been able to see a lot of lessons learned, a lot of things that different companies, organizations have tried and bring that here, which is something that is is, you know, definitely helping try to push the community in a different way as well and and, and bring more individuals to the community to stick around and do business here, too. No, absolutely. I, I, I firmly believe that you have to give back to the community in which you're you're operating and doing business. That's an important part of, I think, uh, being successful. Uh, now, for all this hard work and community uh, involvement that you've had, Pure Magazine named you to the 40 under 40 yep. in 2020, right? Yep, correct. Talk to me about that achievement and how you felt about it. You know, it was uh, it was interesting. Um, first off, uh, a lot of times you do stuff and and you don't know if you're having an impact. You don't know if, you know, people really um, are seeing, you know, just how hard you work sometimes. And so, you know, I really wasn't even thinking anything of it. You know, I, I knew when I came to Peoria, you know, achieving 40 under 40, you know, was a, a really big thing here. And so um, I didn't even know I was nominated. You know, but I had I had heard just some kind of talks, uh, you know, going around the town that, you know, different people had mentioned, you know, that, you know, my name has been I've been nominated to this and, uh, you know, didn't really think too much of it. And so I literally got a phone call, you know, and a lot of times, you know, we just work, you know, day and night and uh, got a phone call. And um, it's about 6 p.m. on a, on an afternoon um, that, you know, hey, you know, you've actually been selected to 40 under 40. And, um, you know, we're going to have the the event, you know, unfortunately due to COVID, it was virtual mm -hmm. that year. Um, we're going to have the event. You know, we need you to, you know, get online and, you know, and, and be prepared to, you know, accept your award. You know, you can come by the, uh, the office and, uh, you know, pick up the award and all of that. And so it was one of those things that kind of hit me. It's like it it really let me know that even though you don't hear the impact that you're having from everyone, um, as long as you are doing good, people are always watching. Right. And, and, and it definitely gave me that, you know, mentality that, you know, no matter what, people are watching. And what you're doing actually does make a difference. And so it really put me in a different position. Like, you know what, that really means a lot that the community is recognizing that. 
And uh, it means a lot to me that, you know, I've, I was selected to such a high achievement. You know, you think about how long it's been going on and only 40 people are selected annually. Um, so it's, uh, it was definitely something that was, that, that made me feel good that, you know, I'm, one, people are seeing the, the positive benefit of what I'm trying to bring and, and the stepping of it. Yeah, congratulations on that award. That's a very big honor. Uh, and so we're gonna pivot back to uh, Integrated Project Solutions mm -hmm. for just a second. So when you launched Integrated Project Solutions, I was I was your first client, yep, right? Yep. And so you, I think you're managing six, seven, eight, what you know, uh, construction projects mm -hmm. for me currently. And but one of the projects that you um, are managing for me is the um, Harrisburg School mm -hmm. District in Harrisburg, Illinois, uh, the Bella Pre-K Academy, which yep. was a very, very important project for the school district, but but also a transformational project for the K-12 space. Yeah because we delivered that project under a public-private partnership, uh, one of the few of its kind in the nation. Talk to me about this project that you've been doing, actually a great job on managing yeah. for me, and how you feel like that's gonna impact uh, IPS in your future. Yeah, no, thank you for that. Um, you know, that project has so many different significant values to it. You know, one, it sets a precedence in, in Illinois, and so I'm very passionate on being able to uh, help clients get something across the finish line in this state and particularly this city. And so it definitely has been a way to give a different avenue of a delivery method um, that I think a lot of people just weren't aware of. And so you, you see a lot of times that, you know, you have school districts, you have um, different municipalities just try to figure out how to get money to get something executed. Uh, without actually trying to uh, or understanding a, a different path. And what this has done now is to set that precedence. And so now, you know, it's given me an opportunity uh, to have a, a success story. Right. And that's something that you always have to have. Right. And so this success story now shows the impact that, you know, in working with, you know, someone like yourself that's as creative as you can be well, with how to bring finance into the table, um, gives these municipalities, gives these school districts a better avenue of getting something uh, uh, across the finish line. But it's also great being first in that. Right. And so now, you know, we are the leaders in being able to execute that. And so it's something that gives us that credibility. And it's something that, you know, I see as being a foundational uh, shift in the organization growing from, you know, starting it just here recently. Uh, to what it can do because now uh, working with that delivery method, we're, we're the founders of it in this state. Right. Um, and, and of course, you know, everybody likes to be first and everybody gravitates to who's first in the industry. So, so talk to me a little bit about uh, COVID-19. You know, obviously the last couple of years have been uh, very different times for a lot of people. Uh, from my perspective in business, uh, I found opportunities that di previously did not exist. Mm -hmm. So uh, it did not have a negative impact uh, on, on our business because we were able to innovate and, and implement strategies that uh, allowed us to uh, navigate through COVID yep. successfully. How has COVID-19 uh, impacted uh, you, your personal <laughs> life and your professional life? You know, um, when it all started, you know, it's one of those things, of course, like everyone, you know, what, what's gonna happen next? You know, what does this mean? You know, how is our business gonna survive? And it, it takes, I think, a creative individual to find when those hardships come, when those, you know, challenging moments come to kind of pivot your business and, and figure out how to be creative and, and thrive through it. And so, you know, one thing that I can say that was really beneficial was having a strong background in delivering healthcare projects. And so, you know, of course, with that, you know, healthcare institutions, you know, got flooded. They had to stop a lot of things. Um, but we we're able to provide creative ways to find out how to execute projects um, because of the growing need that they had with uh, all the cases rising. 
But the other thing that came from it was that the, it, it really eliminated boundaries, if you think about it in a way. Um, it eliminated the boundaries of, you know, you being in, in a location and can only do work in that location. Right. And so with being able to capitalize on technology, uh, being able to capitalize on because, you know, based here in, you know, in, in Dallas or, in, you know, an office in Peoria, we're able to do projects in Florida because everybody's gotten used to the world now of, you know, talking over the computer, meeting virtually. Right. Um, and then being able to uh, to do those types of things. So um, it actually was one of those uh, pivot moments that helped the company grow. Um, and so it's it but you have to be able to take advantage of it when it comes and so it, it hasn't had from that stance a, a negative impact on the business it's really been I, I hate to say it but it's, it's been something that helped the business thrive a little more just because it eliminated boundaries because of the virtual space yeah and so let's we're talking about COVID-19 and we're talking about navigating through COVID-19 and of course uh, one of the projects that you, you're managing for me is a $39 million higher ed project in, in for Southeast Arkansas College. Mm -hmm. And that project was very unique in that we were able to put together a collaboration between the college and the county by implementing COVID-19 uh, and pandemic responses yep. within the facilities that we were developing. Mm -hmm. So in the event of uh, the need to address pandemic concerns, the county can take over operations of the facilities and, and respond to COVID-19 and other related uh, similar pa pandemics. Mm -hmm. And so you have managed that program, uh, about a $39 million program mm -hmm. for us. Talk about that uh, program and, and how you feel like it has impacted uh, your firm being able to be on the cutting edge of having a county donate three million dollars to a project to support right uh, a, a, a local college yeah yeah it's it's another one of those projects that they become that success story it's another one of those projects that become that way of you know showing what can be achieved you know as as people are thinking through you know the new ways of designing the new ways of building and thinking through like you know we have to be prepared better prepared the next time a pandemic happens. And so this gives that foundation to show that, you know, hey, we can do some unique things. You know, this project now can serve multiple purposes. And it gives a way because everybody's thinking about flexibility and how can you adapt spaces. So it gives us that way to show that this project now can serve its needs as serving the students, you know, and be that facility for them. But in the event of, of something uh, that happens pandemic wise or, you know, is, is so many different things that could, you know, kind of uh, bring that city to uh, to needing that type of location. So now it has its, you know, basically it's, it becomes its own command center. To where now, you know, facilities don't have to sit there vacant. Facilities don't have to sit there and just, you know, OK, what do we do with this? It becomes a space that's operational in every facet. Right. And so a lot of people are wondering, like, OK, if I'd move forward with this new project, you know, in the event that this happens in 12 months, we can't get together. What can we use it for? And so it gives us another way of showing like, hey, these are some creative solutions that we can bring to the table um, that, that gives people that ability to think outside the box. You know, you have to start thinking creatively. You have to start thinking that, you know, this one use for this one building is no longer what's going to survive. And how can we make things multifunctional? Right. And, and that's what that's done for us. Quentin, you have been a great guest. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on Self Made. <laughs> Thanks to the audience for joining me. Without you, there's no me. Thank you for watching Self Made with D Brown CEO. See you next time.